Former UMass head coach and NBC analyst Matt McCall joins the program today to discuss how conference realignment impacts mid-major programs and a look at the A-10 conference and how it might shake out this season right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part of course of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day and remind you that today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the free GameTime app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. I'm joined today by Matt McCall, former head coach at UMass and Chattanooga. Matt and I are going to discuss conference realignment, how it impacts mid-major programs. We're also going to take a look at the Atlantic 10 Conference, who's going to challenge VCU and Dayton at the top, talk about some dark horse candidates, all that good stuff coming up right after this. Well, I am thrilled to be joined today by Matt McCall, a former head coach at Chattanooga and UMass, and now a college hoops analyst at NBC Sports and a member over at the Field of 68. Matt, I want to start our conversation today talking about what has been the most dominant topic in all of college athletics for over a year now, <laughs> conference realignment. Uh, we well, have- I, don't, I don't know if you can say that, Andy. I mean, you got transfer portal, <laughs> NIL, you know, and <laughs> now we're going conference realignment. So we got we got a lot of different stuff going on in college athletics right now. No question I think about it. It's been about as, as much of a drastic change in the college athletics landscape in the last three years than I think we've probably ever seen in this sport. It's yeah. been absolutely insane to see all of these changes. And, and you look at, you know, the, the NIL, like you said, the transfer portal, all of this stuff going on. But at the end of the day, like we're staring down the face of a potential conference that has a bunch of schools on the East coast and Stanford and Cal, like what in the heck is going on? If that ends up coming together, of course, the big 12 taking the four corner schools, eh, it kind of makes sense. And then the, the LA schools going over to the big 10 and it's just been complete chaos. And of course we know that these changes are all happening with football in mind. That is the the driver of, of most things that happen in the entire NCAA, quite honestly. But I'd love to get your take as somebody who has been a coach at the mid-major level for, for men's college basketball and just kind of what, how this kind of stuff impacts those programs. Because I know you've also been a director of operations, so you've had to do some of that kind of scheduling stuff on the side. And it just feels to me like some of these changes that we're seeing are, are going to have a pretty drastic impact on men's basketball and certainly the other Olympic sports as well in, in potentially a negative way. Yeah, Andy, I, I think you bring up a couple good points, right? And, and you know, I was kind of kidding around about <laughs> NIL and the transfer portal, but like what college coaches have had to deal with yeah. coming out of COVID because COVID mm-hmm. was hard enough and difficult enough mm-hmm. for everyone to deal with. And then all of a sudden you come out of COVID and it's, hey, Here's the transfer portal, and here's NIL. And mm-hmm. now they're transitioning into completely conference realignment. Yeah. And, you know, you think about it, you know, you see football, and football mm-hmm. is playing one game a week, mm-hmm. which is different. You know, there's times in college basketball where you're playing three games in a week. And I understand travel partners, and you have to go here, and you have, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to play these two games back to back, but still jumping on an airplane for four or five hours mm-hmm. to go play those games. That's a challenge, yeah. and and that's where we're at. And um, you know, it's almost 
you think about things, you think about college football and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it drives a lot of college athletics and mm-hmm. growing up in the South, my father played at the university of Florida. He played football there. So, you know, I was, I, I love college football, but it, it's, you feel like it almost just kind of needs to be this separate entity, yeah. right? You just kind of feel like it does. And that's sad to say, because you know college football conference championships are unbelievable. Um, but to have all these other sports that are being affected, um, it's kind of sad, Andy, to, to really think about it. And, you know, when you look at the, the Pac-12 and what they're going through right now, and, you know, uh, if you're a parent and my son's committed to some of these schools, what's happening next year? What conference are we playing in? That's a challenge for everybody that's involved in. You know, in terms of of the mid-major leagues, Mm -hmm. obviously they're going to be impacted, no question about it. Um, Spending five years in the Atlantic 10, Mm -hmm. that is a basketball league. That is a basketball league. I mean, you look at the teams that are in that league and you play in these environments, in these sold-out environments, right? VCU, Dayton, St. Louis is an unbelievable environment. St. Bonaventure is an unbelievable environment. So – does it affect them? I think it's going to, in some way, um, do other leagues try to pull some of these teams? Um, mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and who those teams are, I, I think, it, it, you know, it kind of goes back to resources and mm-hmm. does it make sense for them? But it's a basketball league. And as a basketball fan, mm-hmm. you don't want to see that league go through any changes, right? The league is, I mean, there's, there's, it's just, and that's what makes it so fun. That's what makes it so competitive. Yeah. Um, and a league that, you know, basically for the last 10 to 12 to 15 years outside of last season mm-hmm. is always getting multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. A mid-major, quote-unquote, mid-major mm-hmm. league in the Atlanta is getting multiple teams in the NCAA tournament. So let's not mess with that. You guys <laughs> go up there. You, you guys do whatever you need to do up there. But mm-hmm. don't mess with, with some of these other leagues that – that have some special things going on. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've seen that sentiment shared by you know, Rick Pitino talked about, it. I know Chip Kelly, who obviously is a football coach talked about it. And I think that maybe carries a little bit more weight when he's saying that. And you, you think about these student athletes in other sports and certainly men's basketball is a little bit different. It's not at the Olympic level. It's certainly not at the football level, but it's kind of more in the middle, but you think about those, you know, the softball student athletes, tennis student athletes, and they're suddenly, you know, if you're at Stanford, you know, I think about the Stanford baseball team and it's like, they're going to, are they going to have to go travel to the ACC to, you know, teams out on the uh, East coast every weekend? Like that's insane. Like, so I can't even imagine trying to get yeah. from Stanford to Florida state. Right. It's just, Tallahassee's not an easy place to get to, right? No, so I have to go and somewhere think, from San Francisco to Atlanta. I got to connect. I got to do this. Yeah. And there's six hour, seven hour flights involved. It's it's nuts. I and mean, at some point, student athletes insane. are just going to stop going to Stanford. Like, they're just going to say, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to commit to a school in the big West, or I'm going to commit to somebody, you know, somebody else on the West coast that doesn't travel as much. And you just wonder how much that's going to impact some of those teams and some of those programs. And and I think, you know, you, you mentioned that the mid-major programs and, you know, I, I, so I cover Gonzaga and obviously they're in the WCC, another conference that's somewhat similar to the Atlantic 10 is a basketball focused mid-major conference. And, and you see Gonzaga in these kind of conversations too. And it's like, could they join a conference that has football like the Big 12? You know, the Big 12 eventually kind of said no to them, but it just feels like 
we're we're missing something when we're having this conversation where decisions are being made for one sport and one sport only. Meanwhile, these programs all have between 15, 20, sometimes 25 different programs that are all going to be impacted by this. And it just doesn't feel like we're thinking about the right people when we make these decisions. Yeah, Andy, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is, is you know, to go back what I was talking about earlier, all this stuff hit at the same time, you know? So as someone that, that misses coaching, misses being on a bench, misses the locker room, the camaraderie, it's like, man, like I, I you know, I had to look to deal with, with COVID obviously, which is a huge challenge. Yeah. Uh, the transfer portal was, was starting to, but these college coaches are dealing with so much right now and it all hit at the same time. Yeah. So we're going to throw, COVID, NIL, transfer portal, and conference realignment all at once. Yeah. Like, good luck, guys. Like, I hope you guys figure it out. It's just like, what are, like, yeah. What, what, you know, college athletics and, and where are we at right now and what are we doing and where's the leadership? And I think that's the biggest key, right? Yeah. The, the leadership and who's making these decisions and how can everyone kind of get on the same page? And it's not like, well, you know, football is going to do this because it's the money driver and that's the most important thing. And okay, well this makes it. And then it's, you know, commissioners and everything. It's just, there's just so many different things going on. It's like, Hey, like we got to, let's take a pause. Let's everybody check our egos for a second. And you know, we all, it's always about the student athletes, right? right? What's best for the student athletes. Is all this stuff really best for the student athletes? I guess we got to take a step back and really, evaluate where things are. Yeah. And I think, you you know, I'll use Gonzaga as an example, again, kind of talking about all those different things happening at once. And like, I think about this off season for, for Mark Few and their staff of like, they lose three players in the transfer portal early in the off season. They add three players in the transfer portal. And like most years pass, like, okay, we're done. You know, uh, wipe your hands of it. The off season was done in late June, early July, as soon as the draft stuff happened. And then you start to see a few more players leave and then a few more players get added and they add a, a European player last week in Luka Krajnovic. And then they add this guy, Marcus Adams. He spends a month in the program. He enters the transfer portal just a few days ago. And it's like school started today. Mark Fuse coaching team USA right now. He doesn't have time to go find another player, but it's like, it's, it's a never ending barrage of just roster movement and, and of course, you know, for them in particular, all these conversations about realignment. And, and one thing I know Field of 68 has kind of addressed this a few times this offseason as well is kind of talking to different coaches. And and there's this burnout fear of like coaches are going to start leaving the industry. And it's it's always been an industry where you have to put your job first and it's difficult to balance, you know, the work life stuff with this kind of career. But now it feels like it's it's borderline impossible. And you start to wonder, like, this is going to trickle down to other sports if it hasn't already. And I, I'm kind of curious how much of a, an impact that's going to have on the people who do these jobs. And of course, if they start leaving the industry, start going somewhere else, start coaching at the high school level or the semi-pro level or whatever, eventually you're going to start to dilute the product. And that's something that I think is, is a big fear. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge fear. And Andy, I, you know, I, I think you bring up a couple good points here. You know, the whole transfer portal thing mm-hmm. was put in to eliminate waivers. Mm-hmm. Right. But all right. Now we, we, we put a date on when you're allowed to enter the transfer portal and there's circumstances, everything. But it doesn't matter. Kids are still trying to get waivers yeah. and waivers are still being approved. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but the majority of them are. 
Yeah. And from a coach that, you know, was trying to get some waivers approved. I had some waivers approved when I was a coach. So I understand that. I get that. But we have this portal that's supposed to cater to the student athletes, which I totally agree. With. I, I, I understand. But then it's like, OK, what are the parameters? Yeah. And like you're saying, as a coach, it's like, man, holy cow, the clock hits zero. Mm-hmm. Our season's ended. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to evaluate our team. I'm trying to evaluate where we're at and where mm-hmm. are we going to next year. And then you're on pins and needles. And I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that text message that says, hey, coach, can we meet? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like there's no reason to meet because I know what's coming. Yeah. I, I, I know what's coming. And you're constantly trying to re-recruit your team. And now it's just such a – it's the norm, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's following it. Everyone's following it on social media. It's like, well, this guy's in the portal. This guy's in the portal. This guy's in the portal. I was like, well, maybe I'm having some success. I'm having a good year. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is doing it. Yeah. So I guess I should do it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, you know, follow the next person. But, mm-hmm. um, again, Andy, it's just college athletics is in this, this really – weird place and we got to try to dial everyone back in get some great leadership make some decisions that i mean it's you know i i love the program i I love watching the nba i'm I'm not a huge nfl guy just because i I grew up a college football guy um but there's something about college athletics that's Mm -hmm. special there's pride there's pride in your school and your university yeah. Um, you know, my, my, I'm a Florida Gator alum. I can't wait to watch the Gators on Thursday night play football. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just something about it. And let's not let's not take that away. And how can we get a group of leaders that get on the same page that make sure that doesn't happen? VCU ran away with the A-10 title last season, but after a coaching change and significant roster overhaul, are they still the team to beat? We'll tell you right after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. Life is always so busy, and the last thing that I need to be stressed out about is buying tickets to events. Thankfully, there's Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all of the events that I want to go to. When choosing seats for events, I always get stressed about trying to pick the right ones because I'm worried about the view, whether the sun's going to be in my eyes, all of that stuff. But Game Time has images of views from your seat, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Plus, the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Once again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Remind you, we got more fun stuff coming your way later this week. Our regular guest, Leaf Tulin, and I will be discussing some of the best newcomers in the Pac-12 conference on Thursday's episode. We'll continue to keep you updated on what's going on with the ACC, Stanford, Cal, and SMU as well. But for now, we're going to continue our conversation with former UMass head coach Matt McCall all about the A-10 and who is going to compete with VCU for a title this upcoming season. Well, I want, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about, about conference realignment and specifically the, the Atlantic 10, the A-10 conference, because so far they haven't had a ton of, it hasn't impacted them a ton in the last decade. Of course, they had the Xavier and Butler departures when the Big East kind of rebuilt about a decade ago. They added Loyola Chicago last season, but other than that, it's been a little bit quiet, but you kind of mentioned that maybe there's going to be some movement again. And I wonder the big East hasn't done a whole lot uh, this off season. There's rumors. They were looking at Gonzaga. That geographic fit is kind of a nightmare there, but uh, UConn looks like they're staying put, but I wonder if you think that there is any kind of movement potentially coming if Dayton and St. Louis are going to be in some conversations with the Big East or or if you think the A-10 might be uh, hopefully a, a conference that can stick together a little bit longer uh, because they, they've built themselves a really good set of schools at this point. Yeah, you know, in terms of the Atlantic 10, too, I think they've got, you know, really good leadership in Bernadette mm-hmm. McGlade. Yeah. Um, and she understands it and gets it. Sean Carney, same thing. He, he's – you know, the liaison for college basketball for the Atlantic 10, um, former coach. I always think that when you look at these leagues uh, to have people in, you know, positions of power that haven't coached, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's another thing that the Atlantic 10 has going for it. So um, I hope not, you Mm -hmm. never know, Um, you know, and, and a lot of these schools don't have football. Some of them do. Um, and, and football is, you know, athletic directors are always trying to get their football team in a conference or how this, how we do this, whatever. Um, but you know, I, I think the league's in a great place. Um, you've got some terrific coaches, but again, just the programs and the excitement for, for basketball that, you know, these teams and these, these programs have, you you don't want to see it. And, it's a fun league. It's a fun league to cover. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a blast last year being in the studio uh, for NBC with Ahmed Farid, yeah. um, just watching games. And, you know, you see some coaches that get, you know, bigger opportunities or whatever it is. You see them leave. But, man, it's, you know, it's it's been – it's always been a basketball league. The coaching in the league has been unbelievable. And it's fun to play in these environments, right? Yeah. As an opposing coach, you're going to Dayton. Mm-hmm. And there's 15, 16,000 people in there, mm-hmm. you know, same thing at St. Louis. You know, I, my first game working for NBC last year was at VCU. And because of the pandemic, I only had to go to VCU, I think one time in five mm-hmm. years at UMass. Yeah. Um, but it's just those environments are special and you want to keep that league together. Uh, but they've got great leadership and in, in commissioner McGlade. And um, hopefully that, that, that happens. Staying on VCU a little bit, you kind of mentioned coaches moving on. Of course, that's kind of the big story for VCU's offseason. Mike Rhodes goes and takes that job at Penn State, takes a few really talented players with him as well, and Ace Baldwin and and Nick Kern. But 
uh, VCU. I thought they did a fantastic job getting Ryan Odom from Utah State, a guy who doesn't have a ton of D1 coaching experience, but was really successful at Utah State last year. He brings some of his talented guys over as well. And uh, VCU won the league by three games last year, won the conference tournament and, and got themselves a 12th seed in March. And I, I imagine even with a, a significantly overturned roster and a new coach, feels to me at least like they're still the team to beat uh, in that conference. I'm curious just your thoughts on on what that team was able to accomplish and maybe what it looks like now. I know it's hard to predict what a team's going to look like when their roster yeah. turned over as much as they did, but it seems like they built a really solid foundation there at VCU. Well, I think, first of all, I mean, how how, how neat is it that, that Mike Rhodes gets to go back <laughs> yeah. to his home state? Um, his dad is a former Pennsylvania state senator, <laughs> um, which is pretty neat for him to go back and, and, and coach at the state school. He did an unbelievable job there, and especially – you know, taking over uh, when he did and everything that he went through dealing with the pandemic to go to four, you know, postseasons um, and now get an opportunity to go back to the state um, that he's from. I think that is that is awesome. And I, I think the, the world of Coach Rhodes, he's just such a humble human being and does things the right way. Uh, but, you know, Ed McLaughlin, he knows how to hire basketball coaches. Yeah. And he went out and he got the right guy. Because Coach Odom has won everywhere he's been. You know, you go back to, you know, has there ever been a 16 that upsets a number one? Nope. <laughs> he's the guy that was there yeah. um, and has been patient, patient upon his journey. And, man, they're, they're not going to miss a beat because mm-hmm. he's a really, really good coach. And Ed McLaughlin, as an athletic director, is a guy that loves basketball. And he went out and he got the right guy. So, I think that's the biggest key for VCU. I think a healthy Dayton team, we didn't mm-hmm. see that last year. You know, what Malachi Smith and Kobe Elvis were dealing with all season long, I don't know if fans even realize really how hurt those guys were and the fact that they were trying to push through, especially Malachi Smith and play, even being injured. Holmes coming back, you know, I think expectations are one of the most difficult things to deal with in sports. Mm-hmm. And Deron Holmes comes in after Obi Toppin has just an unbelievable career at Dayton. And everyone expects Holmes to be Obi Toppin. That's just human nature. And last year, he loses two of the better guards in the league. And he had a great first year. Great first year. He loses two of the better guards in the league. And he's still able to go out and get 19 a game and be a first-team all-league player. Yeah. Like, think about that, right? He's, he, so everyone's keying in on him. And Kamara was a great player. I love him, and I think he's going to have a great NBA career. But everybody's keying in on Holmes. He loses these two guys, and he still goes out there and does what he does. Yeah. So I think that Dayton is obviously the team, if they're healthy, if Malachi, Kobe Elvis, and those guys are healthy – Losing Kamara obviously hurts, but the year that Holmes had last year without having his quote-unquote backcourt, man, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Yeah, it was, it was going to be my next question was kind of out of that group of teams between the two through seven in the Atlantic 10 last year were separated by just two games. And Dayton was was at the top of that list and the team that finished second. I was kind of thinking who out of that group's most likely to contend with VCU. I think Dayton is the obvious answer because Holmes comes back because uh, they're hopefully going to have health next year. And I think he alone helps really bring that team up to a higher level. But, you know, we saw some some really nice performances from Fordham last year, St. Louis. They, of course, lose Yuri Collins, which is a really tough loss, one of the best peer passing point guards in the entire country. I think 
Mike Meadows, a guy I saw a lot of when he was at the University of Portland. I think he's a sneaky good addition uh, for St. Louis next year as well. And then you had George Mason, Duquesne, George Washington, like kind of this whole group of teams all sort of bunched together. Uh, curious, I, I know Dayton's kind of the team to the team alongside VCU that's probably going to be at the top, but are there other programs in there that you think might might be able to challenge for a potential A-10 championship next year? Yeah, Andy, there's one team you're leaving out. <laughs> and I think that um, what Mark Schmidt's been able to do at St. Bonaventure yeah. is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a terrific coach. Um, I think he finds a way to win games every single year. Yeah. I think they did a great job in the transfer portal, av- uh, you know, uh, acquiring Micah Adams Woods mm-hmm. and Charles Pride. Yeah. I mean, those two guys with the backcourt that they already have and Mark Schmidt on that sideline <laughs> do not sleep on the Bonnies. It's a great place to play. I did two games for NBC up there last year um, in Olean, New York. I thought one of the things when I, when I left UMass was I was never going to have to go back to Olean, New York. <laughs> and then they sent the new guy up there twice. And I actually had a blast. I, it, yeah. was a, it was being an Olean in a different, you know, uh, position was, was a lot of fun. And uh, Mark Schmidt's a great friend. Um, and I had a great time doing two games for them up there last year, but, I think the transfer portal was really, really good to them. Um, I think Chad Venning, the growth, the development that he had last year, you know, as an inside presence and and the things that he brings to the table, um, you know, along with, with, with pride and and Micah Adams woods, man, I, it's hard for me to, to pick against the Bonnies. Yeah. I think you can make an argument that, that pride and uh, Adams woods are two of the five best additions in the entire conference and they're both coming in to that backcourt. I had, I had St. Bonnie's as kind of one of the dark horse teams, but it sounds yeah. like they're. I, I don't even think Andy, it's a dark horse. I mean, Moses flowers had an unbelievable season. Yeah. Obviously banks was outstanding. And now you're adding in two other really good backcourt players with a good mm-hmm. frontcourt player, man. That's, I don't think they're a dark horse. I, mm-hmm. I hope coach Schmidt doesn't see this because he may be <laughs> texting me and upset with me, but. <laughs> um, and I think I think St. Bonnie's because mm-hmm. of of Coach Schmidt and the talent that they have, they're going to be right there, not just towards the top, but a chance to win the league. Well, one of the other teams that had a coaching change this offseason was, of course, George Mason. They lose Kim English, goes over to Providence, seems to have already been making a, a name for himself over there. I know I, I recently spoke to a Providence reporter who is they're They're really excited about what he's going to bring to that team. And I can totally understand why a really high energy guy and a fantastic coach last year. But George Mason gets Tony Skin in and keeps Tony Skin to, to lead that team. And I, again, another roster with a ton of overhaul. Kim English brought a lot of his best players over uh, to Providence. But uh, I think that's a team, too, that I wouldn't at least want to count out. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, they lost a lot of their talent. They're going to probably take a step back. But uh, George Mason has had a, a rich history of bringing in really good coaches as well. So I think there's a chance that they're going to potentially make some noise, too. Yeah, you know, Coach English did a great job and obviously, you know, was was afforded an opportunity to, to mm-hmm. go to Providence and, and take over mm-hmm. for Coach Cooley. Yeah. Um, but Coach Ken, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was there. Right? Yeah. He saw it. He knows what goes into winning. Guys, mm-hmm. like, this is what we did when I was here. Mm-hmm. Right? And not trying to, to put that on his players, but this is what it takes. This is what goes into it. And when you get guys that are that bought in, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, Matt McKillop last year at Davidson, and we haven't even talked about Davidson mm-hmm. yet, you know. Um, but that's his alma mater. Yeah. 
And I, I remember asking him, I, I did a game, I did the VCU Davidson game early last year, just, mm-hmm. hey, how much pressure do you feel taking over for your dad, who mm-hmm. is a legend? You know, yeah. Coach McKillop, Coach Bob McKillop is a legend. He's a legend in what they did at Davidson. He said, you know what, you know, playing here, this this, and, and having staff members that played here, we know what goes into it. And I never look at it as in terms of I'm, I'm taking over for my dad or, mm-hmm. or a legend. I'm like, man, I got a job to do. Yeah. And I want to see my alma mater succeed. So I'm going to put everything I have into this. But also, I know what it takes. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And I, and I think Coach Kendall had the same, you know, a lot of, lot, you know, amount of focus going into yeah. George Mason. It, it's funny you mentioned Davidson because I had them on here too. And, and they made two additions that – are kind of the, the hardest additions to try to, to predict going forward because they're high major guys who just didn't play really at all at their previous schools. It's Angelo Brizzy from Villanova and then Jarvis Moss at Stanford. And certainly uh, most high major players who transfer down don't become the Brandon Pajemskis who goes out and scores 19 a game for Santa Clara and becomes a first round pick. Like that's not most guys' stories but it's probably going to be somebody's story this season. Somebody's going to make that change. And I'm, you know, I I think that Davidson, obviously, again, they have a a good track record of bringing in talented guys. And I I think looking at these two additions, I'm like, man, one of you guys has got a good chance of popping and really kind of helping turn this program around. And I I think that uh, it's, it's fun to see those kind of additions because they're probably not going to get a ton of press before the season, but there's a chance that, you know, it becomes a player that we're all talking about in December, January, et cetera. And I think those guys that are that are transferring down, um, mm-hmm. and I don't like to use that. Term, I hate that term. Right? I it's, it's, it's not it's it. not transferring down. I think those guys that are transferring from a situation mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily work out, and they didn't play a ton mm-hmm. at whatever place they were. Like Vernon Macklin, mm-hmm. prime example. Vernon Macklin is a McDonald's All American. He goes to Georgetown in the Princeton yeah. offense. He's from Virginia. It was close to home. Mm-hmm. and he barely plays, and he goes to Florida, and he's an all-SEC player. Right. That happens all the time. So mm-hmm. there's, like, this new, you know, energy you have about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You picked the wrong school, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the, the style of player, you went there because it was close to home, or you went there mm-hmm. for whatever reason it may be, and now you go to a place and you get an opportunity, and – you're rejuvenated because you've never played. And now you're excited about playing. I had a player uh, that I coached. It was very, very similar. And he ended up having a a great senior year. He was at a place, didn't play a ton. And this is the first time he had this level of a role. Mm -hmm. And so he flourished in it because he appreciated it. So I think you'll see that at Davidson Mm -hmm. this year, no question about it. Last team I really want to ask you about is the newest member of the Atlantic 10 Conference, that Loyola Chicago team, of course, a very famous run uh, through the NCAA tournament about five years ago, and a team that really just dominated in the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, even after Porter Moser left when they had Denzel, uh, oh, geez, I forgot his last name, Denzel Valentine, Valentine, thank you, Uh, Denzel Valentine, really successful first season, uh, final season in the Missouri Valley, and then, I mean, they didn't do well last year. There's not really any other way to put it. Finished last in the conference. I'm curious if you think that was a product of it's probably a variety of things, but if it was a the, the roster just wasn't quite as good, if the 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 jump from the Missouri Valley to the A10 really had that kind of impact, or if it's more just kind of things that I don't think get talked about enough of like 
you're now traveling to different arenas every single night. You have different set of officials. You have different coaches that you're coaching against. Like even if your team is still good and even if the competition level between the two leagues maybe isn't as dramatically different as their records might indicate, it just feels like there was a, a change for them and they, it's, it feels like it's, it's clearly going to be more than at least one year for them to adjust to that new level at the A-10. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is is you got a young head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to give – and I know fans don't want to hear this because everyone wants instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was a head coach for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a way better coach now than I was seven years ago, having gone through adversity. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing with young coaches. I mean, I look back at myself as a second or third year head coach, and I'm like, Dude, what, what was I doing? Like, what was I like? Why was I acting like that on on the sidelines, or why was I arguing every call, or you know, me doing that probably had a negative impact on our team, or you know, in terms of culture and am I being real? Am I being authentic? He's a young coach, mm-hmm. so. Let him go through some growing pains yeah. to figure out who he is because he's taking over for a guy that did an unbelievable job in yeah. Coach Moser. And that's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. So you got to let him grow and develop into who he is. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think for young coaches, too, um, maybe they work for a certain guy and they want to do everything like that guy does or, mm-hmm. hey, I'm. We're just we're going to keep this thing rolling because this is what they did. No, you got to figure out who you are. So I think more than anything, new league, like you mentioned, the officials, it's different. There's obviously, you know, adjustment, new environments. You got a young coach and and let him go through some growing pains and develop into who he is um, and let him figure that out. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Coach Matt McCall, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Really appreciate your your expertise, your insight into all of this stuff going on in college athletics and a, a good look at the Atlantic 10 Conference heading into next season. Uh, thanks again. You got it, man. And anytime.